0: Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. Let's kick things off with our highlight reel where we share some of the good things happening in the world. Paris Williams, a 6-year-old girl from St. Louis, Missouri, launched her own nonprofit foundation to feed the homeless in her area. Paris assembled and delivered via non-contact drop-off, of course, more than 500 care packages containing food and other essentials to downtown St. Louis's homeless as well as handing out approximately 250 meals to essential workers. But she didn't stop there. Check this out. She then proceeded to draw a picture or write a personal message on each care package because she wanted to connect with them and meet their emotional needs as well. What an absolute rock star. Way to go, Paris Williams. We need more six-year-olds like you. We need more humans like you. Next up... A creative uncle made his nephew's dream come true in the UK by building a roller coaster in his backyard based on the 11-year-old's drawings. (laughs) His 11-year-old draws out a roller coaster schematic and his uncle then proceeds to build it. So check this out. Lay Downing, 47, and his son Charlie, 20, used the sketches made by his nephew, Calden Ashley, to construct a 230 foot long Big Dipper. They used plastic pipes for the rails and bits of scrap metal and wood to make the frame of the coaster. <laughs> the inventive duo even employed an old wooden chopping board as the seat of the ride, which circles their yard in Landernar. Mmm. Landernog, Wales. That's a tricky one. This structure was a surprise for Calden, who was disappointed about being unable to see his friends over his summer vacation because of the lockdown restrictions amid the coronavirus pandemic in the UK. Oh, we can all relate there with you, Calden. What an awesome story, and what an amazing, awesome uncle you have. That is a perfect example of what it takes to shine a little light in the world. There is our highlight reel. For our team huddle, I just wanted to share some exciting things. First off, huge thank you for all those five star reviews coming in. You guys are awesome. I'll just read a few of them here. Star Star CL said, these principles have helped me in so many ways. What an uplifting positive podcast. Highly recommend, followed by 16 exclamation points. Thank you so much for that positivity. We appreciate the review. Sophia Jensen said, I am beyond pumped for this podcast. I listened to the first episode and I cannot wait for all the other episodes already. Play Theory can change your life. It's changed mine and I'm looking forward to it changing my life even more. Couldn't agree more, Sophia. Thank you for the review. J.H. Dickamore said, Three cheers, all caps, for a play theory podcast. This is exactly what we've been hoping for. A way to dig deeper and refresh on the principles that help us live our best life. Thank you for making it happen. Thank you for making it happen, J.H. Dickamore. Keep these awesome reviews coming. If you feel that this podcast has benefited your life, I hope from the bottom of my heart, that you'll consider sharing it with your friends and spreading the light and giving it a review if you haven't done that already. Also, just want to remind you that our website is up and looking good, so be sure to head over to playtheory.org and check it out. It is my honor to introduce to you Truman Florence. Truman and I go way back. I've known Truman for years, and I can't say enough good about him. Uh, you might have guessed by the last name that he is related to Laurie Florence, who is his mother, who we had on the podcast for episode one. So he's been exposed to this play theory stuff for a long time. Truman, a little bit about his background. He is basically a creative superhero. His current role is art director at BYU's prestigious Ad Lab, where he works collaboratively to develop campaigns for big names like Under Armour, Nike, and other big names you would know but I can't share on the podcast. But he's been flexing his creative muscles for years now as a graphic designer, photographer, and videographer. It's also worth noting that he is a recovering thespian with an occasional relapse. He's also an avid hiker, and recently wrapped up some pretty exciting adventures that we'll talk about here in a minute. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Truman Florence, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, I said avid hiker. Didn't you just wrap up some pretty major hiking? We did. We just uh, we did a fifty-six mile loop. You've actually done it. You've been there with my family. Do you remember Lake? Oh, I love that trail. That, yeah, North Lake, South Lake, it's one of the most beautiful trails, so. Wow,
0: that is, I, oh man, you're making me jealous. I wish I was out there. Oh, you remember that one time we almost died on the side of
1: a mountain? How could I forget? <laughs> it's epic, epic indeed. The, uh, the Mount Banner ordeal. Yeah, I know I couldn't, I, I quote that story all the time to everybody always because, you know. When you almost die, you gotta tell pretty much everybody about it. It's actually funny you mentioned it because we are going back to that mountain this weekend. No way! Yeah, well, <laughs> we because uh, we didn't finish it. Most people who are listening are like, "What's going on? We we uh, we almost died. We got caught in this crazy lightning storm on this uh, on this glacial <laughs> mountain pass." <laughs> yeah, you gotta understand the situation.
0: This is huge incredibly steep. At one point I felt like we were just going straight vertical, it, but it's just sheer ice, right? We had these crampons with spikes in our shoes and we're literally stabbing into the ice and just going up. <laughs> and then these clouds roll over us and this insane storm ensues. It was like Thor himself was up <laughs> on the cloud, like casting down <laughs> <his> <laughs> lightning bolts. And it was like, you remember that it like struck right next the mountain just yeah. next to us, yeah. and like caused an avalanche. It was
1: crazy. <laughs> we're like, yeah, maybe we should get off. It was like because it, it started to sprinkle, and we're like, we're okay, we can finish. <laughs> and I think was it, it like started to hail, and we were like, okay, we maybe we should get off the mountain. <laughs> well, and then I remember you know we we had
0: been going for a while at that point you know it wasn't a it was a big pass and i remember looking over and seeing like people's legs starting to shake you know like we were (laughs) tired and and like cold and and we (laughs) the mad dash down the hill was probably my favorite part you know it's like lightning striking hail and we're just like running for our lives
1: that was pretty fun (laughs) and good, that was, yeah, good pretty, times. Pretty times <laughs>
0: well, I hope you can claim revenge when you go back this weekend and plant a banner or something on top of the mountain. And We
1: will. I'm going to bring a bag of hail and just throw it at the mountain. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shove that pass who's boss. Oh, yeah. good times. Good I times. Know. We got a lot to talk about. I'm so excited to have you with us, Truman, because as we dive into these principles, it's nice to discuss them. At a, at a higher level, but I'm really excited to have you on today and to, to really dive into how play theory benefits your life and especially with what your line of work is and in that creative process. And so um, we're going to get into that. But first, I wanted to start by asking, what is your favorite play theory principle and why?
1: I think probably let like go and play. You can go with that my favorite for today. That is a good one. It's a great one. Love Let Go and Play. Um, I connect a lot with Let Go and Play because as a person, um, you know, you have core values. One of my core values is humility. Let Go and Play really plays into that, and it informs how I go about kind of keeping level head and and trying to stay humble, which is something that is hugely benefits me uh, as a creative collaboratively. It's very beneficial in in my relationships too I love that and humility is such a key part
0: of let go and play let go and play is fun because it's actually it's almost like two principles in one you have the let go piece but then you also have the play piece and it's hard to play or to take action until you've let go of, of the other stuff. And I want to just dive a little deeper. You mentioned humility and specifically in relationships and interacting with others. So how does let go and play specifically and, and this humility piece that you made the connection with benefit your relationships? You know, when
1: it comes to a relationship, you're two different people with two uh, different modes of thinking, if you will. And, And that comes from this life experience that we have. I don't know if you've mentioned him yet, but Tony Overbay, uh, he's a, a therapist. Um, he has his own podcast, Virtual Couch, very successful. I think you. I think we're hoping he's going to join us on the show. Oh yeah,
0: we're going to have him on for sure at some point.
1: Yeah, this is something I I, I learned from him. He could tell you all about it. Um, but it's just the idea that every person is is kind of a makeup of their their life experiences, and those life experiences form our decisions. They they inform our reactions. They inform very much our values and our goals. Um, and so uh, when, when you come to recognize, oh, I have this life experience that influences the way I think, and it's different from this other person's life experience, um, once you recognize that, it allows you to let go of your holding rigid to your life experience and, and being open to the decisions and the potential suggestions and things that come from these people that have a very different life experience from you you're two people and uh, you know and you can have a lot of things in common that often brings people together in relationships but if we make the mistake of closing ourselves off and sort of saying well i'm i know that i'm right because i've had these experiences that have informed that they've, they've taught me that this is what happens you know when you do action a consequence b always follows Uh, You close yourself off to the reality that these other people that you have relationships with, they have had life experience that is just as valid as yours. And it's different from yours. And so your brain can't comprehend that principle and it can't quite wrap around the idea that you can both be correct because you both have this life experience that has informed you differently. It allows you to let go and really play with the possibility that there are these other ideas, this other input, other take on things that you can bring to the table or that they can bring to the table, right? When people feel that from you, when they when they sense that you are willing to indulge them and you're willing to, to learn about their life experience, they'll share so much more. I love
0: that, especially with relationships. I've been married. We're coming up on five years now. Um, Congratulations, thank you. Also. Yeah. And just uh, just two weeks, we're going to have our five year anniversary. And I've just so experienced that what you just described, where as a couple, you can level up. But in order to level up, you have to let go of where you were at. You have to accept that what you've done has gotten you here, but it won't get you to that next plane. Of, of growth. And uh, somebody said, I can't remember who it was, but especially with let go and play, it's like you're swinging on vines, right? You might've grabbed that next vine, but it's not until you let go of the previous vine that you can swing to new heights, right? Uh, so I love that you brought that in. And especially in relationships, that humility piece and letting go of, of your, you know, maybe even your expectations is, is the only way that you can really come together and create something new. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, outside of let go and play, what else can you share that's uh, that's been beneficial to you?
1: Play theory is the how. Um, it, it puts essential principles into really simple, simple things you can check yourself on. And so it makes it easy when you aren't feeling happy or, or you aren't feeling collaborative or you are struggling, you can say, okay, wait, wait, what's let me look at these four principles. Am I not fulfilling any of these? And with myself, pretty consistently, I can go back and say, oh, that's what happened. I totally got outside my head and I was not being present in that moment. I was 100% in the future and uh, and that, or right now I am in the past and is not allowing me to find joy and happiness in this moment of the present. It's not like the secret, it's not this new thing that they've uncovered or that scientists have finally found the path it's it's just a really really smart simple way uh to check yourself on principles that I think have been around for forever
0: I love that and that is exactly why we're calling the podcast the happiness playbook because it's just like you said it's the how right and you can I do the same thing you know if I'm feeling off if I'm feeling down anxious whatever i can just run through the four principles and say okay yep. where where am i missing the mark here it's like oh yep i i wasn't letting go and playing i was worrying about what other people thought of me or uh yep i wasn't looking outward i was thinking of myself i was being selfish and it, every time and, I, and so i love that you bring that in because that is such a succinct way to to explain play theory that it it really is the how and that that's really what we're going for here is to help people understand these principles and be able to apply them in their lives. So now I'd like to dive a little deeper into a very specific application of play theory and, and that you have a unique perspective on. So I want to know, how have you seen play theory benefit the creative process?
1: Whether it's an individual thing or you're working with a group, play theory is super applicable. I'm going to start by talking about it with the group because I think there's some more obvious ones. Just when it comes to collaborating in general, something that's really cool about play theory is it does not require that everyone be in on play theory to be totally effective. Mm, um, I like and that. it.'s It's better if everyone is has a similar mindset and is, if everyone is being open, if everyone is being present, but a single individual in a group who's really working to apply these principles, they can significantly enhance the whole of the group. Kind of the same way um, that a single individual by being a real downer. <laughs> right. I mean, it goes both it ways, does really, doesn't it? Really absolutely does. I, I would argue that someone who, who is armed well with these positive principles can do more. But you know, that it, it is definitely two-way street. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot here and ask. Do you
0: have a specific example maybe of when you've been in that creative process and you've really seen the application or the lack thereof of play theory um, really impact that creative process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wrapped up an internship. I was working with a team of people from all over the place. There's a girl on our team from Malaysia. So she had this super long time zone. You know, we were trying to work on this thing and I'm not going to lie, I came to it a little bit, not as much human as I should have. After a few weeks of the internship, I kind of started to feel like I had the most experience because our program is very hands-on and we were doing work for a real client and it didn't feel like a lot of my teammates had that same experience, which was pretentious and, uh, and stinky of me. <laughs> <laughs> Should think of a better adjective than stinky, but that's the one that came out. Hey, so whatever with. works. We're sensing the humility here, Truman. <laughs> that hopefully will come in. But yeah, after after a few weeks of uh, working with this team, you know, I was feeling really, really frustrated. I was not enjoying the internship. I felt like we were totally log jammed on our creative process. We couldn't nail down a direction to move in. And I remember I was thinking, like, what is wrong with these people? Why can they not get this? And I was trying to identify, like, what do we need to change about these people? And I I thought, Truman, this is stupid. You're not going to be able to change these people. You're just going to have to change yourself. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll find something about myself to change. And as soon as I I did that, I realized, oh, wow, I'm being a total jerk. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's obviously lots that I need to change on my end. And, uh, and I, I came back the next meeting, I really had to open up and, and really let go of my my professional experience, quote unquote, I'm doing the finger quotes with my right now, um, that I, you know, felt like I had up against some of these these other students. And I just really opened myself up and, and I let go of that. And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna play with these people, right? I'm just gonna try and be a collaborative partner in, in supporting their vision, the play that they're thinking of. And, uh, the difference is night and day really we, we landed on a creative concept that meeting. We really, we came together and we made a great campaign. Our leadership wrapped up great. And we actually took uh, second place. You know, there were a bunch of teams. Wow. And, and so nice. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was cool to see it play out like that for sure.
0: I love this story for so many reasons, but that is so often the problem. When we have a relational or an interpersonal conflict that needs to be resolved, you can always make massive improvements by looking at what you need to do differently. And again, that, that humility piece is uh, definitely key, as you've pointed out. But I, I love that you were able to to make that observation, so I mean, you applied a few of the principles, right? You you let go of of what your perceived, you know, ex- expertise was within that group setting, and you played. You also accepted and built upon the offers of those within your team, and you looked outward and you tried to to make your partners look good. And then I love the result of that. Then you immediately landed on a concept, moved forward, got second place awesome story. We touched on this with that story you just shared, but how does play theory help foster the collaboration process with other people on a creative project? Let's dive a little deeper into
1: that. With collaboration, it's really important that you trust each other and really that you you do. It's easy to say, yeah, yeah I trust you because I know you and I know you're smart, so I can trust your ideas. But really, I think what's more important that people actually feel trusted, and play theory fosters that really well. When you when you practice play theory with someone, when you're genuine about it, people have to work really hard to uh, to not feel that trust, or to talk themselves out of it, or, or to convince themselves that you don't care about them and that you don't care about their success. Yes, I love and, that. Yeah, and and so when you, if you can begin, the sooner, the sooner you begin practicing play theory, the better, because. What it does is it it cultivates that sense in other people. It's no secret that I used to do improv
0: and I actually, there was a troupe out here in Utah that I did performance improv with. And it was so interesting. There was one guy in the troupe who was hilarious, amazing sense of humor. His, his pop culture references were always on point, but he, he was kind of a me monster. And it was interesting. I remember going on stage with him. He was so good at being funny and getting laughs that he had that going for him. But he wasn't a very good team player. And I did not trust him because I knew he would sacrifice. He he would always sacrifice his team players looking good if it meant he could get a laugh out of the audience and if he could make you look silly to get that outcome, he would. And so that, that trust wasn't there. And I remember, you know, in that setting for me, it totally impacted the way I, I interacted with him, um, on and off
1: stage. And if I can, can I assume or ask, did it make it harder to be creative?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Right?
1: It did. Yeah. and it, And it doesn't matter how smart or creative you are. When you don't feel that trust, that safety, your brain literally is worried about survival. Yes, and when you go, so, yeah, you you can't like. In my case, I'm like I can't be thinking of ideas for Pampers diapers when I'm concerned <laughs> about my survival. You know, <laughs> you don't realize yet. It's like, Well, we're we are carnal creatures. You know, our, our brains are are these evolved things from from where we were hunter gatherers, and so we sense that stuff, right? Creativity, you know, it's it's well above uh, that just that sense of safety that we need to feel. And so play theory really, really fosters that, that, that really, it really invites that kind of energy. And I mean, it, it puts your mind at rest. It, it allows you to be comfortable and say, yeah, yeah, I can, I can collaborate with this person. We can, we can put our ideas out there and do crazy things. You know, there's a great book by Stephen M R
0: Covey called the speed of trust. And it ties in so beautifully with what we're discussing here because he makes the case for when there is genuine trust in a group, you can move so much faster because you're not having to worry about survival or that protection or someone backstabbing you. Play theory absolutely fosters that trust and that collaboration to a point where you you can be creative. You can open up that part of your mind and you can you know, focus on collaboration and the creation without worrying about, you know, looking over your shoulder and and that sense of survival.
1: Worrying about, you know, what you're gonna say, how it's gonna be taken, will it be used against you, right? Yes. Oh, so good. I I mean, I know with with me with advertising, my best ideas come when I'm with a, a partner and we are just just throwing out all the ideas. And I mean, just everything, the strangest stuff. I like to get a whiteboard and I just like to write things down. I write down all the bullet points and I always write down everything that's said, because I want to make sure that people in my group feel like I'm genuine in that. I want all the ideas, you know, and the best ideas always are deep, deep in those sort of just dumps that you, that you get right. When I knew I was going to have
0: you on the podcast. I specifically wanted to ask you this question and it it ties into what you just were talking about. How has
1: accept and build helped you professionally? In advertising, common terminology for us is is the the word big idea. And uh, a big idea refers to, it's an idea that's, that's big enough that it encapsulates a full campaign and informs a, a full thought process. And you just look at like classic advertising, advertising that everybody knows and loves. There's a big idea behind it. And I think to get to those kinds of ideas, you have to collaborate. No one ever just comes up with a big idea sitting by himself in a room. Have you you read the book, Steal Like an Artist? I have not. I've heard of it though. It's a great little book. And it, it just kind of beats the hammer over this one point that nothing is original. Everything is actually stolen. And so on one way to put it, but I think a cooler way to think about it is that any idea you have is really probably an innovation. You know, when you're accepting offers and building off of them, you are building off of groundwork that has been laid. For me, you know, my job entails most of what I do, probably 75, 80% of what I do is just come up with ideas. I just sit around with my partners and we, and we brainstorm all the different stuff we could do accepting offers and building is is essential for that because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, my partner doesn't feel like I'm going to at least consider his or her ideas, he or she is not going to put out ideas that don't feel safe. At least in my industry, nobody likes safe ideas. The safe ideas are not the ideas that have taken people to the moon. (laughs) They're not the ideas that have forged these incredible relationships. They're not the ideas that you know start countries they're not the ideas that make businesses or get people to change the way they do things you know those kinds of ideas are risky and so if you if you set up a rapport if you will with your with your partners in life if people feel like yeah this guy he's gonna listen to my idea you neil are you're king of this actually i i think you're you're so good at uh um, being able to to really validate and accept the offers people give you, right? And it's not it doesn't make you a pushover. Anyone can look at your your career and your accomplishments and know you're you're anything but a pushover. But uh, you are accommodating in that, and and that has created a I think many allies for you, right? And it, and it will continue to. Um, in that uh in that professional sense
0: you're trying to butter me up for something what is it you're short on rent i need a hundred dollars okay no. <laughs> well for um, that kind comment I'll, I'll
1: send it to you okay yeah yes. just demo is you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> any kind of work you do you interact with people on a regular basis and we need each other you know we need each other for everything in life
0: Oh, some major nuggets coming from Truman here. I I love so much of what you said. It reminded me of a quote. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And I think it's so true that no matter what you do, if you want to go far, it will require that you get allies and you work with others and, and build a team to really make things happen. And this uh, this idea of accept and build, I, I love what you shared about these big ideas because those are the ideas that change the world for the better. And if, you know, the opposite of accept and build could be reject and tear down. And we've all experienced that as well. When we've shared maybe a big idea or, or maybe not even a big idea, when we just share something we're excited about and it's immediately met with opposition and maybe even torn down or ridiculed, right? And, and what that does to the relationship, whether it's professional, personal, whatever that relationship is, a wall goes up. And that slows down everything. It totally destroys that creative collaborative process.
1: I, I think it's really interesting how, how quickly you can build a relationship by accepting a building because after, after one positive interaction with someone, you're so much like, you kind of look for that person to interact with. After one really just negative experience, it takes a few good positive experiences to rebuild that trust. To tear down that wall that you mentioned, right? Yeah,
0: and it's worth noting here, since we're on the topic of relationship building and collaboration, validation is something that we are very starved of. It's so important that we that we foster that and build that. Oh, it's
1: so good. You know, it's it's going back to what we're talking about at the beginning, it's not like that is a new thing. It's not like humans have not needed validation before. That's old news, right? Play theory just It's this great accept and build. It's this one specific principle gives you this thing of if you want to validate people more, it's really easy. You listen to them and you accept the offers they give you and then you build on them. And that is a recipe for validation. It's just a very clear formula. I love that. It's like all of the ingredients
0: to cook the, the delicious meals of life are already out there. But we're just taking a few of those to show you how to bake the most delicious cake of happiness. (laughs) Truman, this has been so fun to sit down with you and dive deep into the application of play theory, specifically in the creative process and with what you're doing in design. I have one last question for you, and it's a really important one because here on The happiness playbook. We're all about the why and how of play theory. And we want to make sure we're applying these principles. To wrap up our conversation, I want to ask you, what is your pro tip for applying play theory to our
1: listeners? What I try to do is, well, and I don't even have to try anymore because it just happens. Not like I'm so great, just that, you know, our brains are these malleable lumps of chemicals and, uh, and strange things. And so we can kind of mold them, if you will. Um, <laughs> every, every situation that uh, I get into, every time I walk into a room, um, every time I start a conversation with someone, every time I go to write an email, just, you know, when, when there's a new opportunity for interaction, I kind of, my brain sets off this little track where you ask the question, what is needed? And that's kind of like a sub name for the principal lookout outward that we throw around. But if you really think about it, ask yourself that question, what is needed in this situation? And so I walk into a room of people and automatically my brain goes, what is needed in this situation? I walk into a classroom with people that I know. Um, you know, I see someone that I, that I know approaching me on campus. That question kind of goes off in my brain. What is needed right here? As you begin asking, it, it becomes easy to identify that person who I know is looking a little bit lost or looking a little bit off. I'm going to go, they need some interaction, it looks like. I'm going to go talk to them, right? Or, uh, oh, okay, I'm, I'm sending a text to this person. The last time we talked, they mentioned this and I know they're struggling with that. Maybe they need me to check up on that. The tip I would offer is just ask yourself that question as often as you can. And the more you ask it, the more it will become force of habit to ask and to identify. That's what's needed right now. That is an awesome pro
0: tip. Thank you for sharing. The two pieces that I love is, A, you have to practice. And we know that happiness is a skill that requires practice. And I love that you brought that up. And I love this question. What is needed? And the more you ask that, the more your brain naturally starts to look for what is needed and ask that.
1: Absolutely.
0: That is amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. I think that is enough. That's all the nuggets we can handle for one uh, episode. So we we better turn off the fire hydrant of awesomeness here. (laughs) It was so fun having Truman with us today to talk about happiness. Truman, thank you so much for joining us today. This was awesome.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Oh, and stay safe out there on uh, on those mountains. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today on the Happiness Playbook brought to you by Play Theory. It was so fun having Truman with us today to talk about happiness and play theory application in that design collaboration process. So grateful for his insights. Remember to look outward, to make your partner look good, and to ask what is needed. Also want to remind you that life is a team sport. Catch you next week.
1: Boom. Bippity boppity boom.